0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. They have a ton of great content up there for all your pop culture needs, from reviews to interviews, retrospectives, top ten lists, introspectives, and, of course, a whole plethora of great podcasts to listen to as well. So go check out all of that stuff while you're listening to this or afterwards, whatever suits your fancy. Now, today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I kind of ran out of time this week. It was crazy at work with this whole coronavirus thing going on. Nobody's really sure of their futures as I work at a school. And, well, it was announced today that the school will be closing for the next week. So next week's episode, I'll have a lot of time to really process and get out some great content. But for today, and I do apologize for this, it might be a little bit shorter than normal, and I know some people don't like the super short ones, but I'm still going to try to stretch it out. I have with me the book. Yes, the book. And I said I wasn't going to do this series on the official podcast channel anymore, and it was going to be a Patreon-only access sort of thing. But I thought, hey, why not do a special treat and revisit the history of demons? And I have with me, as I said, the wonderful book, The Dictionary of Demons, by Michelle Bellinger. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Like sort of breathing. Um, so as I said, I am going to read for you some entries from the Dictionary of Demons. Now I do enjoy reading this book, and I don't get to do it in my spare time as much as I would like, and I haven't updated the Patreon in quite some time, and I do apologize for that. But, without further ado, let's just start ...in the middle of A. I've covered a lot of the A ones in the past, such as Abaddon, but how about we start with Abel. Now, it's noted here that Abel is one of several demons who serve in the court of Dorchel. Abel holds the rank of chief duke with 400 lesser spirits at his command, and according to the Ars Thegura, he serves in the second half of the night... Between Midnight and Dawn. Now, I know that was a short little entry, and that's why I am going to be reading quite a few of these. Next up, we have Abhin. In the 1898 Mathers translation of the Sacred Magic of Abramalayan the Mage, the name of this demon appears in a list of the Infernal Servants to the arch-fiend Astaroth and Asmodeus. Mathers suggests that the name of this demon means, quote, the terrible one, unquote, from a root word in Hebrew. In another version of the Abramalian material, originally written in code and currently kept at the Wolfenbüttel Library, also known as the Herzog August Bibliothek, the Wolfenbüttel, Germany, the name of this demon is spelled slightly differently. It's spelled A-H-A-B-H-O-N, as opposed to A B A. H-I-N. Next on the list, we have Abalam. According to Weiris' Pseudo-Demonicaria, Demonum, if the demon Paimon is summoned and given a sacrifice or other offering, this demon, along with his companion Bibal, will also appear. Both Abalam and Bibal are demonic kings who serve the gothic demon Paimon who I did indeed do an episode on uh, quite a while ago now, actually, but still worth a listen. Go back and listen to that one. It's one of my popular ones on YouTube, of all things. And again, uh, I'm going to take the moment here to explain what's happened with the YouTube channel. I do use the podcast host, a Cast, And I know this is completely off-topic, but it just kind of flicked a switch in my brain. So I'll get back to the podcast in a moment, in case you were wondering what happened with YouTube. Anyway, a cast used to be Pippa. Pippa transferred over to a cast, and when they did that, they lost the integration to YouTube. Before, I just clicked a button, and everything would pop up on YouTube perfectly, and I haven't had the time to kind of re-upload all those past episodes to YouTube. They will get up eventually, I do promise you that, but in the meantime, you're just going to have to listen to it the old-fashioned way through whatever podcatcher app you use. But back to the podcast itself. Next up, we have Abriel. This is a demon in the hierarchy of the Infernal Prince Usiel. The Ars Thugira describes Abriel as a chief duke who belongs to the hours of daylight. He has 40 ministering spirits beneath him. Abriel has the power to conceal hidden treasure so that it may not be discovered or stolen. He can also reveal things that have been hidden, especially those items obscured through magic or enchantments. Following that, we have Abbas. In the sacred magic of Abram Lay and the Mage, Abbas is listed as a demon of lies and trickery. He can be called upon to assist the magician in matters dealing with illusion as well as spells of invisibility. The demon also appears in the Mather's translation of the Clavicula Salomonis, with the same associations. According to Driscoll's edition of The Sworn Book, Abbas is the king of the regions below earth. His province includes the riches of earth, and he is said to be able to locate and provide all manner of costly metals, including silver and gold. Additionally, he seems to be able to cause earthquakes, for it is said that he can pull down buildings and other structures and cause them to be destroyed. Finally, Habas and his minions can teach knowledge of the mixtures of the elements, as a possible reference to alchemy, although alchemical workings are not specifically described within the text. In the Clavicula Salomonis, the name of the demon is spelled A-B-A-C, as opposed to A-B-A-S. Next on the list we have Aban Described as an agreeable, if somewhat jealous demon, Abinthada appears in the Hierarchy of Harthan, an infernal king who rules the elements of water. According to the Driscoll edition of the Sworn Book, Abinthada can be enticed to appear with the aid of an appropriate perfume. When he manifests, his body is large and has a molted complexion. He has the power to swiftly move things from place to place, and he can provide darkness when it is required of him. He can also bestow strength and resolution, helping others to avenge wrongs. That's an interesting take on a demon. It doesn't sound terribly awful, and he has some good features about him, particularly the agreeable part. Not too many demons are agreeable. And while I'm no demonologist or expert in any way, shape, or form on demons... It does seem that to be a weird trait, to be agreeable. But you never know, I digress. Let's continue on. Next up we have Abdallah. According to the Liber de Angelis, Abdallah holds the rank of king in the hierarchy of hell. He appears in connection with a compulsion spell guaranteed to procure the love of a woman. From the profusion of such spells, in all of the magical texts, it would seem that practitioners of the black arts had a very difficult time finding a date in the Middle Ages. Side note, that's probably very true. Witchcraft has never really been looked upon to swell in the history of things, and even today, people still get a little weary when you mention the word witchcraft or Satanism, even though they're completely different things. So I can imagine back in the Middle Ages, some guy trying to get a date, all wrapped up in a black robe, with all sorts of chemicals and beakers and incantations around him. Probably not too easy. So good on ya, Abdallah, for helping people get laid. But, uh, well, continuing on, to cure the medieval magician's lonely heart, this demon, along with his minions, were able to invoke and set upon the desired woman, at which point they would torment her horribly until she accepted her newfound mate. Note that Abdallah is suspiciously close to the Arabic name Abdullah. This name means Servant of God, and is generally not associated with demons. I kind of take back what I said about Abdallah being good on ya. It's very, um, not great the means by which they go to procure a date for the magician. It seems terrible and horrible, and a very good plot for a horror movie. And I'm going to make a mental note to work that into a script in the future. But until then, we're going to continue on with the A's of demons here. Abelios is a demon who aids in spells of invisibility. Abelios appears in Mather's translation of the Clavicula Salmonis. He is said to answer to the demon Almiris, master of invisibility, and to Almiris' infernal minister, Cheros this demon also appears in the mather's translation of the sacred magic of abram lay and the mage following Abelius, we have a tricky one to say in abesithothabod i butchered that i am completely sorry but i'm not going to try it again a demon who allegedly inhabits the red sea abesithothabod oh boy that's going to be that's going to be fun for the next minute or so bear with me He appears to King Solomon in the extra-biblical testament of Solomon. In this text, the demon claims to have actively worked against Moses during the parting of the Red Sea. He was trapped underwater after the parted sea came crashing back together. Solomon puts the Braggart demon to work, commanding him up to hold massive pillars that must remain suspended in the air until the world's end. In his dealings with King Solomon... This demon in question, I'm not going to say it again, reveals himself as a rather prideful fellow, demanding special respect from the biblical monarch, because he is the spawn of an archangel. He claims that his father is Beelzebub. The notion that some demonic beings are actually the offspring of angels ties back to the tradition of the watcher angels mentioned in the book of Enoch. And in case you want to look up more about this fun character, I'm going to give you the spelling. So maybe you'll cut me some slack on the terrible pronunciation of this. It is A-B-E-Z-I-T-H-I-B-O-D. Yeah. Moving on to something a little bit easier to say, we have Abgoth. In the 15th century magical text known as the Munich Handbook, this demon is summoned to assist with spells concerning the art of scrying. He is also called upon to discover the persons responsible for theft so that justice may be done. He appears by name in the 40th spell in the Munich Handbook. The same text includes the name Abgo, which, although presented as a separate demon, may well be a misspelling of this demon's name. And the last one I'm going to touch on today is Abracas. Listed as the demon in Colin de Plancy's 1863 edition of the Dictionnaire Infernel, Abraxas is none other than Abraxas, a Gnostic deity who appears in the writings of Simon Magus. According to de Plancy, the demon's name derives from abracadabra, a word used widely in magical talismans. This derivation, however, is highly suspect. Abraxas is often depicted as a composite being. He has a man's body, often armored, with legs like serpents, and the head of a cock, and I really hope they mean rooster. He carries a whip in one hand and a shield in the other. His appearance is similar to that of a charioteer, and indeed is, in some depictions, appeared to be riding a chariot pulled by four horses. The horses themselves represent the four elements. In Gnostic mythology, Abraxas is generally said to have a serpentine body, surrounded by the head of a lion. His lion head is surrounded with rays, like those of the sun, an image that may harken back to a Persian sun god said to share the same name. The rooster-headed image, however, remains the most recognizable and was commonly depicted on amulets known as Abraxas Stones, in the 2nd century CE and thereafter. Now that will bring us to the end of our little detour on the standard episodes to bring you back another History of Demons, and that features some, just a very small portion of the letter A in this gigantic book of the Dictionary of Demons. I can't imagine how much work Michelle Bellinger actually put into this, but I can imagine it was a near lifetime's worth. If you're interested in this book, you can probably pick it up on Amazon yourself or through Michelle Bellinger's website, perhaps. And I do hope you liked what you listened to today. And if so, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, or really wherever you get your podcasts. Every little bit helps, and I will read them out every time I get a new one. Just listen to last week's. I had two fresh reviews, which got read out and a shout-out to the people who actually are associated with them. Don't forget to join our Facebook group as well, and that's just at HorrorShots, as that is the production company for Ominous Origins. And I have had some people reach out to me on there as well, and that's incredible. They've been dropping some ideas, and I really do plan on exploring those as well. I'm always open to suggestions. I want to hear what you want to hear, and then give you what you want. That's the only reason I do this. Well... One of the reasons I do this, anyway. Furthermore, you can follow me on Twitter, at HorrorshotsProd, as in production, or on Patreon, at Patreon.com slash Horrorshots. There's absolutely no need, but again, at this time, I literally just got laid off today from work. I don't know when I'll be back. Any little bit would help, and I don't want to sound like I'm begging, because I'm not. It's totally up to you, but again, every little bit helps, especially in these kind of times. Or, if you do want to get something a little bit more out of financial assistance, if you will, you can visit my Redbubble shop. I have a bunch of original designs, as well as the Ominous Origins and Horror Shots logo available to be put on pretty much any kind of merchandise you would imagine yourself ever using or wearing. So, that's everything for today. Until next week, when I'll be back with a brand new episode, and it'll be much better than today, I very much promise you that. Until next week.